You guys are gonna get a green van and a talking dog and solve it? You have a piece of eardrum on your shoulder. Compound B. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe you're an idiot. You're in over our heads. Bees? Welcome to Compound B, a show about the boys. I am Jamie G. Esquire the Fifth, and no, no, I will not be able to defend you in a court of law. Sorry. I am here with Magna Mills, and we're going to get sick. That's right. We're talking about the penultimate episode of Gen V, Season 1. Mills, have we made this thing airborne yet? Well, JBG, I'm Magna Mills, not Dr. Cardosa, and also I don't even pretend to be a doctor. I prefer pretending to be a podcaster. Thank you for spreading Compound B over the airwaves. You can find us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. We are on social media at Compound B Pod. And you cannot forget to go around your boss's back and turn in your secretly maniacally crazy boss. And don't forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our show, find our channel. We greatly appreciate it. We hope you have fun. And if you do, when it's all done, please give us a thumb. And um, from here on out, we're going to be spoiling every episode of Gen V and the boys and there's a chance the original comics could come up as well so just you know what you've been warned if you don't like it get out of here if you like it stick around that's generally solid advice in all parts of life it's not bad it's not bad and this was sick season one episode 77th overall episode of gen v originally was released october 27 2023 on prime video directed by Shannon Stein. Uh, she's also directed one of the episodes of season four of The Boys, season four, episode five. We don't have a title on that one yet. Written by Chelsea Great. She's also had an executive story editor credit on each of the first seven episodes of season one of Gen V. Special guest stars include Claudia Dumit as Victoria Newman, guest starring Sean Patrick Thomas as Polardi, Marco Pigosi as Dr. Edison Cardosa, Alexander Calvert as Rufus, Maya J. Bastidas as Justine, Matthew Edison as Cameron Coleman, and Layla Robinson as Grace Mallory. Now, a word from Gen V. Calling all God you hashtag home teamers. Today we're protesting socialist Victoria Newman's town hall on campus. Let's show Newman and her soup-hating woke mob that we won't put up with their anti-superhero agenda. They will not control us. Hashtag make America super again. Hashtag hashtag soup lives matters. Jamie G., it's a very subtle show, right? You know, they're not really saying anything here, right? They're being extremely subtle. You got to read between the lines. I'm kidding. But Mills, one thing we do get is a pretty awesome dorm party here with a pretty sweet, I mean, in our day, it was like slip inside. You know, we didn't have somebody like a Sub-Zero that could like literally make an ice uh, slide here, but it was really awesome. With that said, I think we need to kick things off with some shots. That's right. Mills, remind us how shots work right here on Compound B. I always forget. They work a lot like Crocodile Mile. I think you run, you dive, you hit the bump and take a dive or something like that. I forget if I'm improperly quoting the Crocodile Mile, which was a very fun commercial for a slip inside back in the day, similar to what they were doing here in the episode. Now, what we're going to do here is we are going to give you our overall thoughts about episode seven, sick using the same process you use in college when you decide whether or not to go to class. So, if you're not really feeling the episode just like a class, you're skipping it. Can't do it, won't do it. If you thought it was decent enough, you're going to get there eventually, you're hitting snooze. And if you loved it, 
You can't wait for it. You're there on time for the next one. You are an on-time student. Call Ja Rule and Ashante. You are always on time. Jamie G, it's shots time, buddy. Show us how it's done. Man, you know, typically throughout this season, I've been kind of hitting snooze, but getting there just a few minutes after uh, the opening remarks of the class. I think this time, I think I'm going to be on time. Uh, I think I'm going to be on time here. I, I really like this one. I, again, a lot is pending. They're just they're, they they're just keep like building and building and building. You're just waiting for it all to explode. But I did like this one. There was some I won't say plot holes, but just a lot of convenience used. That's really the only thing I can nitpick here. Um, but I did like this episode. I do like where it's going. I did like some of the big moments, the things we learned. Um, and I really like that we started to kind of see the boys and comp and Gen V bleed together. Probably the most we've had all season. So I thought that was really cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be on time for this one again. I'm looking past a lot of just convenience in the writing here, but other than that, this this was a really good episode for me. Yeah, I think might as well you know hit the uh, play on the jaw rule Nashanti again. I'm going to be always on time and on time student right there with you. Not perfect. You know, we'll get to that when we get our grades. But when I look back on it, I'm like, I like the episode. It just, it felt like it was missing just maybe something that took it just over the top. But I definitely really enjoyed it again. I think it's one that worked a little bit better on rewatch when you've kind of got time to process it all and, and kind of understand what's happening more as it's going on and not trying to jump ahead and figure out where things are going. So I'm right there with you, man. I, I'm there, you know, next week for the finale, before the final class, we're going to, you know, be there before, uh, well, maybe not before the professor gets there, but at least after the janitor gets there and unlocks the door. We won't be waiting for the door to get unlocked. Before we dive into the episode, let me ask you this. Do you think that Gen V is doing enough to be its own entity, its own thing here? Or does it feel more and more like it just exists to kind of set up the boys for what should be an epic season four? What, what are your thoughts on that? The, the internet's kind of split down the middle on this one. I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, which stresses it a little bit at times. You know, you've seen Marvel and some of the other places struggle with this when they wanted to make how involved are the TV shows with the movies or the you know, the comics or the cartoons or what have you. It, here, it really seemed early on they were trying to hug the boys, and then like, all right, in the middle they were like, all right, let's gonna we're gonna be our own thing, kind of. And now towards the end, it feels like we're getting a lot of setup for season four of the boys and that's not necessarily something i mind i i just wish that maybe it had just a touch more room to breathe it, you know because it feels like some of these things are going to be very specific to season four of the boys um i'm kind of getting house of the dragon vibes for better or worse what do you think man like how does gen v which is a spinoff compared to house of the dragon which is a game of thrones spinoff you know try not to spoil anything from those shows but just general right i think we both liked House of the Dragon, but there was a clear acknowledgement that, like, even though it's in the same world, it's it, it's its own thing, kind of, but it's not quite, you know, it's maybe not quite on the level of the original, but we still enjoyed it. Is that kind of about where we're at, maybe? I think so. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not looking at the, the Gen V's usage of wrapping up their, like, kind of overlapping into the boy's story is necessarily a negative. For me, I think it adds more more fuel to how big this thing is, right? Like it, it kind of just adds more to how are they going to work themselves out of this? It seems like we're trending towards like a, like a civil war of soups and, and humans. And, you know, now you got this and they exposed it with the woods and all that. So 
for me, I think it just adds to the overall story where, you know, the, the, the thing with Game of Thrones and then House of the Dragon was this was really a pre not a prequel, but just kind of like set like what, 2000 years before Game of Thrones or something. So you, you almost wanted a little bit more Game of Thrones stuff in in um, in House of the Dragon for me. But yeah, I, I think it's generally the same, though, in terms of like maybe not as you know, maybe not on the same level as the original here, but definitely enjoying it. Um, I think that I think, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised with Gen V, man. I think it's getting better kind of every episode. I'm glad it got picked up for season two and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. It's better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I would say that it's more or less been what I expected, but overall, I would say that it's had like a higher floor kind of. Like there hasn't really been a bad episode. They've been pretty consistent, but maybe it hasn't hit like the super highs yet. You haven't just had that one, oh my God, oh shit episode kind of deal. Like I think we are still waiting for that a little bit. And I think maybe a little bit of the reason it feels like it does is because this is pretty insular, right? This is pretty contained. Almost every scene we get is on campus or in the house of a teacher or Indira's house or something like that. So we're very rarely, other than the occasional little trips to the Stardust or whatever, we're basically on campus the whole time. You know, the boys is taking place across multiple locations across theoretically the entire world. So I think just the setting of it, if nothing else, makes it feel a little bit smaller in scope. Nothing wrong with that, just... That's fair. Yeah. No, that's fair. Well, cards on the table here. Emma and Jordan don't get much to do in this episode, uh, Jordan kind of searches in Deer's office with Marie and then creates a distraction outside of town hall while Emma basically just loses and then finds Sam. Was that enough for you or should they have tried to give him a little bit more to do in this episode? Two really kind of critical characters, in my opinion, that have been emerging each and every episode here. Um, were you a little bit bummed that they didn't get that much? Bummed, yes, but you kind of understand it. This actually, I think, had the longest runtime of maybe any episode with the exception of the pilot. So they really went yeah. for it here. And then you have extended scenes with Victoria Newman. You have Indira's scene with Mallory. You know, those are characters who are not normally on the show. And that screen time had to come from somewhere. And really, it, it kind of comes from, you know, almost everybody a little bit to make it happen. I don't really have a problem with it. I, I wish it there would have been a little more to do. I mean, Emma especially kind of goes away just to get food and like get the clothing burned. You know, it's just an excuse to get her away from Sam. That's fine. I did love the bit when Sam was just stuck in, in her apartment and everything or in her, her dorm room. You know, that was fun. But Emma definitely got the least to do. And really, it was just designed to get stuff for Sam and then look for Sam. And Jordan, I guess, a little bit. Like, she was also Indira's TA. How many people can you be a TA for? That sounds exhausting. That one right? surprised me a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if that just happened, like, after... I don't know. It almost I, feels I, like I, a plot I, point. Admit, the were like, oh, it. we need to give them a way to get into this room. And they were just like, well, let's just make Jordan her TA, too. Yeah, I, I'm glad I didn't miss it. I thought it was just me. Like, maybe I just missed, like... No, the first time I wondered, she had a key, and then but... she said, oh, I have a key because I'm Indira's TA, remember? And I'm like, well, remember, yeah. you're saying that like you've said that to us before. Yeah. that Again, there was, there was a lot... This episode probably had more convenience built into it than anything else. But I was able to look past it because of some of the other bigger things that are happening here. And you just kind of the scope of how big this thing is, this pending, you know, oh, my gosh, thing happening between the supernaturals and, um, you know, the supers and the and, and the humans. So I look past a lot in this one. But, yeah, definitely another convenient element there. Uh, you have anything on Emma? I kind of said my bit on Emma. For better or worse, it seems like they've kind of they've kind of like pinned emma and sam together like it's almost like we can't have 
either of them do anything without each other. So this one, you know, more kind of on Emma and Sam, just you, you really, you're really shipping them hard. Again, I understand why. I just, I do wish that we had more. I personally really like Emma. I think she's a great character. So um, hopefully we get more in the, in the season finale. Yeah, I think if there's a breakout character, it, it's probably Emma so far. You know, that's another thing. No one is kind of broken through the way Butcher did, the way Homelander did for the boys, as far as kind of, you know, the, just pop culture in general and kind of online memification. Uh, just a little shout out to Jordan. I did like she had a couple of nice moments with Marie when they were searching in Indira's office. And a shout out when she gets to, to punch a Justine, I believe. Remember that kind of smarmy uh, social media chick who exposed Emma's secret and the chick with the tail and everything. That's who she hits or they, that's who they hit right outside of the uh, the town hall or what have you. And that's just a fun moment just to. Uh, what a crazy broken nice jaw. Resetting too. Of the jaw. Nice reset on that, too. Yeah. A, yeah. That was a wicked give me some compound B. I, I know compound B is good, but the V seems to be where it's at. Yeah. You never know, Mills. You might get something that you don't want. Uh, that's the risk we take uh, with, with compound V. If you can heal my jaw like that, I'll take my chances. If I get a tail, I get a tail. Yeah. Hey, you know, that's, that's, that's a fair trade-off. It's a fair trade-off. Have we made a, a classic late 90s mistake here? Did we forget about Dre? I mean... Andre doesn't get a ton to do this episode, but when his dad collapses live on TV, he springs into action after a couple of down episodes. Are we feeling any better about Andre here and his wicked hand acting as he's more It is a lot of hand acting. And I mean, again, if you've it's seen X-Men movies, he's Magneto, basically. I mean, it's, it's the same powers. But I thought he did a decent job of it. I mean, they haven't given him much to play the past few episodes. He's basically just been, like, angry. You know, I can't trust yeah. anybody. I can't trust Kate. I can't trust my father. I think this is more of the show just not knowing what to do with him or maybe spinning his wheels to get him to a certain place in the finale or, or something like that. That's maybe the charitable reading of it. And that's what I'm going with, that they have a plan here and it's all going to pay off at the end because it has been a bit repetitive at this point. I did like the bit in the ambulance where, you know, his pops is having the seizure or whatever. And so it's like messing with the, you know, the actual metal in the ambulance. So he's trying to like, basically counteract his pops and everything. I thought that was pretty cool. Maybe we could save this for predictions, but I think it makes more sense here. What happened to Polarity, dude? Is this a naturally occurring seizure? Did it have something to do with the virus or other? That is something that's really interesting for me. I don't think it's a natural occurring seizure. I think it's something... I don't know what it is, but it's not natural. And I don't think it's a virus because we're explicitly told that it's not airborne, right? Yeah, it's it's not airborne. I don't think it's a virus. I think it's something to do with Victoria Newman. I don't know what, I don't know how, but I think it's something to do with her. And I know he was supposed to be the easy, you know, the easy interview. I think she wanted that to be just instability, both sides, violent. I think she wants that type of chaos for, for, for whatever reason. And I don't know why yet, but I think it has, I'm, I'm pointing the finger at her on this. I don't know how, but I am. That's as good of a guess as anything I have. So we'll go with that. I, I like that. In as far as the Andre and Kate thing, I mean, you get it. You understand totally why he would be so upset with her, but does he kind of need to forgive her? Do you, are you or is this just going to be too much with the show? If this is the same Pete, you know, over and over again or does it have to kind of come to a head in the finale one way or the other 
I think he has to. Um, I, I, look, man, I think she's what she did in this one. If that doesn't prove herself back to this group and show her that she wants to make things right, I don't know what more she can do. Right. I think he's got to kind of get over himself a little bit and forgive her. I'm not sure what she's going to do yet to get him to do that. Uh, I don't know that it was, you know, what she did with with Dean Shetty. I think it was it's going to be something else. Maybe she does something with his dad. I, I don't know yet, but I think he's going to have to kind of forgive her. And, dude, I, shout out to Kate just surviving the game here. I mean, both you and I had her pegged as maybe the first one to go. I'm not so sure, buddy. I think she. I think she stays. No, oh, yeah, we're with that. We're going to get to her in a minute. So, uh, but let's hold that there because her. You know, basically, uh, that all comes to fruition at the very end. So we're trying to, you know, save the fireworks factory until we get there. We're almost there. Let well, su surprisingly, the show keeps Sam pretty pretty low key this episode. They almost make him kind of cute and childish a little bit so to speak it 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 seems like rufus was going to get him into some shit here but he mostly just has a fun college experience on campus any thoughts on sam outside of you know the ending of this episode which we'll get into soon enough and just side note is rufus just going to be this guy that they just use because they don't want to introduce another character to just do random shit because it's kind of like i wonder i have thoughts on that you know? we'll, we'll save that for a minute but i do wonder if he had uh you know more to do we'll talk about that when we talk about the rally but as far as sam i'd love the progression of when emma leaves first he goes in the closet you know he's scared then he eventually comes out of the closet and starts just messing with her stuff and we actually see emma's drawers and she does have a bunch of clothes of various sizes that's a nice <laughs> yeah. touch we brought it up but i love i am a sucker for attention to detail like that in it's also a very college thing to just get kind of sucked into what's going on in your dorm hall so that almost seemed pretty natural that, you know, he would just answer the door and then just get sucked into the action. So I actually bought all of that. They did at least subvert the expectation a little bit where, you know, I was expecting that it was going to be a whole deal where they, they, him and Emma are separated. And they have to go through all this stuff and, and she winds up basically just finding him, you know, kind of, you would say theoretically, no harm, no foul, but, you know, we'll talk about it at the end, but I think maybe his, you know, day affected him a little bit. Maybe the one take you know, note to take away here is that apparently he told Emma something about the puppet stuff. He clearly tells her, oh, but they were puppets at the time. So he's kind of explained to her how it works. We're going to get that, right? I think we do need a little bit of ex like explanation of how the puppet thing works, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a cool step in their relationship that he was able to feel enough comfort with her um, to, to share with her that he's seeing these people as puppets. And they also gave kind of this boyish, childlike charm to him that makes you believe maybe that's his way of dealing with the absolute destruction he's capable of doing. He has to see it as puppets so he doesn't hate himself for being that gruesome and bad. I think that I think there's something to that from from the psychology of it all with him. But it's 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 pretty cool, and I, I think more than anything, it just shows just how close those two are and the bond that they've formed. And that was a subtle way of telling the audience that he he's got a lot of comfort and and with her for sure to be able to say that. Because if you notice the first episode, they're together at the Stardust. He's like terrified. He's seeing you know the deep as as a puppet, and he freaks out and he leaves and he tries to go to Cardoza. He was not at a point where he could share with her some of his 
you know, challenges and issues from how messed up he is from everything they've done to him, et cetera, et cetera. I think now he's finally at that point. Um, and that's really cool to kind of see the progression of Emma and Sam. Samama, Samama. Trying to, I'm trying Sama. to find a ship name. Sama, on, just Sama, Sama. Sama, Sama. There you go. Yeah, totally co-signed with all that. And just one more piece about this. I know, I know, you you kind of touched on it. How she just kind of like, you know, Emma's in a full-blown panic. She lost Sam, and then just conveniently enough, she turns around and there he is. I just, it was just a bridge too far and level of convenience with this one. I don't want to say the writers were lazy on this. I don't want to call anybody out. But, dude, there's like four or five things in this episode where it's just like really like one or two you can live with. But we start getting into four or five, six of them. It's like oh, so that that actually really annoyed me in this episode. That was, you know, just the sheer how convenient they made shit and the plot line just 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 bothered me a little bit. And that was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back for me, because all episode I'm dealing with this like these easy way out to stuff. But. Right, like maybe, when it goes to, from convenience to contrivance, kind of. It's funny, that one yes. didn't bother me. I know what you're talking about, but that one I didn't mind because I expected it to be hard for them to link back up. So when they actually did it easy, I was like, oh, I'm glad they didn't waste five minutes of plot time of them like just missing each other everywhere or something like that, like a, a misconnections kind of thing. So I really didn't have any problem with that. Uh, just shout out Emma. When she does leave, though, she goes to destroy the evidence, like his bloody clothes. She goes to cover up evidence and trade drugs for it, I think, if that's how I understood how that worked right. And then she goes, gets him burgers from Vaudaburger, beers, and a bunch of junk food. Like, she is just there <laughs> to, like, they're basically going to eat junk food, bang, and drink beer. Like, she's pretty cool. Like, I, uh... Yeah. Just, just shout out yeah. Emma. Like, and, uh, and that's, that's, funny that's that like her, top uh, girlfriend status and her busting in on the dorm counselor and the the llama or whatever it is that was a pretty good one too that was just a nice little funny you know she didn't get a lot to do but emma has definitely got some of the better humor moments in gen d so far i'd say absolutely which is which is really needed in this in this series um yeah and shout out to the llama thing they keep they're keeping that run they're keeping that as a runner um so you know i guess good job on the consistency uh rate it just write the name vaudaburger scale one to ten how good is that if there's a fast food joint that vault owns how how good is vaudaburger is the name to, to me to me it's a 9.0 like it, it's it's pretty damn I think good, it was seven dude. and a like, half so i'm all right all right it's it's good i can't think of anything better than that it's like I mean, whataburger it, right i'm assuming it's a play yes. on whataburger it's a play on whataburger whataburger it works i don't know that i could think of something more that works better so i'm i'm giving it a 9.0 like as soon as they say it i want to see a menu. background you I, I think that's where I, I Andre, remember that time he kind of like came back to and he was at the fast food joint. I'm assuming they that's what Emma said that they have a Vaudaburger on campus. So I'm assuming that's where he is. So good tying in, he but I do want to see their menu. I want to see what some of the, the names of some of their uh, signature burgers and whatnot are. I want to see that. The thing I like about it is it needs no, you don't have to think about it as soon as they say, it, you know, exactly what it is. So not good, in my opinion, good bit of writing there. Let's talk about the head popper. If, if we can here, Victoria Newman, she shows up for this town hall on campus, but we get a lot more than that from her. What do you think of uh, the most impactful cameo um, from the boys so far? I mean, she this this is a big time movement in the plot here in terms of of the story and what's going on in Gen V. She now seems to be, you know, obviously we'll do our rankings later, but she seems to be pretty in control of some shit here. So, what what, what are your thoughts on? on how they used uh, Victoria Newman in this one. 
I kind of want to tie a thought I had together with something you said. You mentioned the idea that Victoria Newman wants to kind of sow dissent. She wants the like the two parties, the two factions going at each other. And I had in my notes that I thought Rufus, from the way he acted, in the way other people at this reacted, it seemed like astroturfing, right? Like certain people were paid to make sure that this ended in a certain way. So now I'm just going to tie those two together and go like, Victoria Newman somehow made that happen. Like she's actually paying for the astroturfing. Like she's paying people to protest against her. And that Rufus was one of those guys. And that's kind of why, because I was, I kept trying to wait. I'm like, it does Rufus want Sam there just because he mentioned Emma. And it seems to be so inconsequential. I think that his job was just to get people to go to this rally basically, and then try to turn it into a thing, you know, and you could go yeah. again a little, little bit heavy handed here with the red hat and everything. I mean, they're not really being shy about the real world parallels that they're going for. But I, I like how that ties it in. So I already had that theory. So now I'm kind of piggybacking your thing in there in uh, tying Victoria Newman into that. Any, any thoughts on that idea? I like it. And it would make a little bit of sense because, you know, it, it's like, why does why is Rufus that invested in getting Sam to go to this rally? You, you know, it was a weird it was a weird kind of thing. And so I, I, I definitely I definitely could buy that, man. I think that's a good good kind of read the tea leaves there kind of thing we'll we'll see if anything comes of that you are right though i think rufus of... uh remember the first couple seasons of game of thrones we had roz in her basic job yeah. was to go between plot lines so we could get exposition or sex position if you want to do it in hbo it feels like that with yes. rufus right you need him to be hanging out at dusty's he's hanging out in dusty's you need a dorm room he's got his own dorm room but he's also hanging out in the emma's dorm just randomly in the hallway party you know he kind of is yeah. uh, everywhere you needed to be. He's like the glue guy. If he was a sports team, you know, Rufus is the glue guy here. Well, you want to introduce a new character? Ah, what's Rufus doing? Yeah, let's just use Rufus. It's it's you know, for a minute, I th- I think I actually looking back on it, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but looking back on it, I actually like it a little bit just because Sam was really close to him. You didn't know if maybe he was going to do something and wipe Sam's mind. And, you know, you had Emma like panicking, like, don't go anywhere. So it just made you, it created a little bit of suspense. It, obviously, it didn't live up to it, but it created that little bit of suspense. So I can, I can maybe, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm grasping here, but I, I guess I could understand why they like using Rufus in that role. Um, so, you know what, my brain just went to another level, like early prediction. He is one of the few people that can approximate Kate's powers. So what if they need Rufus in the finale to try to like push Kate or whatever to try to get her to stop something? So they need to get Rufus close uh, to her so like he can do his thing, and that's why they keep bringing him back. That's the thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, be, I, look, man, we I, saw because remember it's on the table. it was the red herring when it was Kate. We thought it was Rufus because their powers can you know function in a similar right. fashion. So I think that would be right. interesting if it comes down to a thing where they need to get him close enough so he can do his thing to stop Kate or something like that. It's a little early prediction there. Just to kind of tie like you know, it, Rufus man. back into it. And how about the meeting with Marie? I have to say, they totally got me with the the, the reveal that she's a bloodbender too. Did not see that coming. Super cool. Totally makes sense with the head popping thing, right? You'd always see the blood out the nose. It's a blood thing. Now I feel so dumb that like, someone, how did no one get that? I mean, I'm sure somewhere on the subreddit or something, someone got it, but never even occurred to me. Well, Mills, I'm just going to I'm going to toot my own horn here just a smidge. If we drop the red challenge flag and we review the tape here, uh, I think in episode three or four time frame, your boy, Jamie G. Esquire, the fifth talked about, well, if she has that much control over blood in theory, just like we have the head popper, maybe she could make hearts explode. 
And so yeah, I was, I'll give you I was that. You totally said trail. that, but you didn't predict that Victoria Newman had the same powers. Like that, I did no, not. No, but, but 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 I was on the trail here. I was I was sniffing around the bush here, and I was. She can make stuff blow I up. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but it does actually make sense. And I thought, like, I didn't the first time. I didn't even like when she just first cut her thing and she did the the blood. I thought maybe Marie was doing it. But like as yeah. she said, like, oh, I thought it was the only one. And started talking about yeah. her being at Red River and everything. Well, I also did. I also did predict that she you was got the, benefactor. the benefactor. You got the benefactor. You definitely got that one last episode. So, uh, ding ding. I'm hot on this Victoria Newman's trail, dude. I, I'm hot on her trail. Yeah, it Ray, makes Ray, sense Ray, though, right? The with, this, with the with the blood, she's far more advanced with her power than Maria is. But every single episode, we see Marie getting you know gaining ground and figuring out one more thing she can do. And we saw it right there when she figured out that there was that there was you know gen v, um, I'm, I'm sorry co- compound v flowing through her blood that's impressive shit dude like every episode they're giving us more and more and more with marie so i i really think that's pretty cool do you think she did enough to kind of sell marie right she said like the two forks in the road she talks about herself pretty confidently being vice president do you, how do you think that carries with marie is that something she's going to kind of factor in into the what she does in the finale and that kind of thing, you know, because right here she wants to be all very altruistic and be a real hero and and fight for the school. And you know, you got to admit, you know, Victoria Newman makes a pretty good pitch, and that's one of the last things that we hadn't gotten from the teaser was that line, like a uh, first uh, black woman in the Senate. I think that was in the very first teaser trailer, and that you know, that's a Victoria Newman line we get here. The interesting thing about this is they've set up Maurice, the perfect person and the perfect character to have to face this fork in the road because we've seen it a couple times now where when she first got to the school, it was don't mess up, keep your nose down. Then it was, you know, we, we saw it with her, with Shetty, right. Where Shetty tried to get, so like we've seen it a couple times here with Marie and every time she kind of does this psych out where you think she's going to follow the advice of whoever's trying to give her it. But she ends up going rogue and attempting to do the right thing. So it's going to be really interesting to see that play out. I think she's the perfect character to have to face that fork in the road. Yeah, maybe Emma, but, you know, one of the more morally upright characters, I guess. Like, she genuinely seems to, for better or worse, be trying to do the right thing. You know, it yeah. makes her an interesting to, to pivot from. But, uh, yeah, it, you know, shout out, ride it, uh, my pony. It, all right, man. dude. Should, go, wait, wait. Could could my pony be a killer drop here in in, in this season? I think I feel like the boys use pony already. I feel like the boys might have <laughs> used they? pony. I guess they might have. It's not they, impossible. They I mean, it's been stuff. so used. Now you're getting me onto a whole Parks and Rec thing where that that was my yeah, saddle, dude. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Love all that. All right, you know what else I love, dude? Victoria Newman's meeting with Cardosa. We definitely called this. He was going to go tattle. And then immediately die right after, right? I love the yes, engine of just waiting. You know, he gives the canister to Victoria Newman, explains everything, and she asks very clearly, like, you're the only one who can replicate this, right? He's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Hundred percent. And you walk it away and you just keep waiting, 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 waiting. And and then all of a sudden you get the blood drip. And oh, I'm like, oh, I forgot about the blood drip first, and then the and then the pop. But uh I liked how the tension built right there. A great way to go out of the episode. It was fantastic and, and awesome. Dude, anybody who carries around a blank business card is a straight-up stone-cold killer, dude. Do not play around. That feels like an American Psycho thing. Like, it's a it's a raised font, but it's like the same eggshell white or whatever. 
I don't know if they're going for. I didn't see anything on there. I mean, it was a reference, but yeah, dude, that was a that was a that was a power play there because he even flips it around like, huh? And then and then to see the blood. You have to be careful. You hand it to him with the wrong side down. You know, like it's a it's a weird like. Yes, again, it adds to the convenience, but it looks so cool. That one I don't mind. Even like the virus thing, looking like the thing that held the, the ooze from the Ninja Turtles. I don't even mind. Yeah, it did. It was like, I don't know. So I think like a thermos meets like a plasma. Like, Gen V season two, the secret of the ooze. Vessel. I'm there for it. Yeah, it definitely. The woods, was. like now the woods is in the sewers or something. They get a giant rat like Splinter. I mean, this isn't that hard. The crossover writes itself. It does. And and here's what else, though, is Victoria Newman has single handedly come in and made this cameo and is now probably one of the most powerful people in the world because of what she possesses and her secret uh supernatural ability i mean this is this is she is really a big time player here dude big time player and and she played her cards exactly right for better or worse anything else for marie before we move forward anything about her before uh the final scene that we should touch on I, just one thing for me i thought it was a cute moment um where jordan gets upset at kate and and marches out and she goes down there like kind of calms him off and they have this she, they have their little moment and i thought that was kind of a cute little bit of you know just normalcy to what was kind of a crazy episode just in terms of like the scope of what happens in this episode so i thought that was a neat little thing but anything else on marie not really here. I just do appreciate that they've tried really hard to have her character be consistent. In outside of probably Emma, she's the most inviting character, the most easy to kind of sympathize with. We've kind of a little bit of the show is set through her eyes, kind of. So I think she's just done a good job, and the actress done a good job of kind of carrying the show in that role. So shout out, Marie. Hope you finish strong. I think if we're going to do a big Lebowski thing here with this episode, Indira would be the rug that really ties the room together. Oof, man, let's start with her interaction with Grace Mallory. Another big cameo in this one. Well, I guess, I don't know, Mills, does this count as a surprise cameo? Did you see this one coming? I thought we were going to get one, but I didn't know if it would be a card-carrying member of the boys. So this really seems to track. I think this counts as a surprise whatnot. I think it's a little interesting that Indira just came completely clean with her, right? It seems that Indira told her everything, the existence of the woods, the existence of the virus, the fact that she wants to use a virus to kill all soups, and that's what she wants Mallory's help for. That's kind of wild. I mean, Indira's, you know, in terms of a poker player, she's generally someone who seems to play her cards pretty close to her chest. What do you think about her just laying them on the table while the other party hasn't even made a decision on what they're going to do yet? Again, slightly the convenience here again we haven't seen indira act out of desperation this entire season this is something that i you kind of gathered that this has been years in the making she kind of decided that she was going to figure out a way to get even with them and fight back after the whole homelander thing on the plane where her you know when we we uncovered that her her husband and daughter were actually killed on the plane with homelander and mave and all that you know, we, 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 we nice little tie in there, but this has been building for, it seems like a while. Right. And for her to just kind of whip it all out and give you everything seemed just very non Indira Shetty. It just didn't seem like her style at all. I guess they needed it though, as, as a kind of counter 
to the pendulum swinging all the power in favor of Victoria Newman. So I, I understand why, at least now someone else knows about it other than these kids and they don't even know the full, but it seemed a little out of character for, for, for Dean Shetty. The only thing I'll say is my guess is she thought this was her best play in the fact that she knew that Mallory's grandkids were killed by a soup gave her the edge in that she knew that Mallory would know that her family was killed really by Homelander. You know, that's not public yeah. knowledge. So I think she was counting on that shared trauma to be what took it over the goal line. And I mean, you can't say that it doesn't, right? Like, I mean, Mallory appears to turn her down outright, but it really wouldn't surprise me if this comes into play. And I'm almost positive, well, in season four of The Boys, to be perfectly honest with you, the fact that Mallory knows this, knows it's out there. Maybe that's how they catch on to Victoria Newman. You know, who knows? All I have to say is this is the one true mistake that Indira made, right? She called Grace Mallory. If she called Billy Butcher, yeah, soups are dead, right? If she teams up with Butcher, I feel like it's over. Between the two of them, no more soups. Yeah. Dude, Butcher, if Butcher had to die himself, he would, you know, we, we know that. He's dead already on the inside. Yeah, big mistake on her part. But we know this is going to this is gonna carry on because, you know, as soon as she walks away, we hear Mallory, you know, say, get on the phone. Did you catch all that? Good. Keep an eye on her. So they know, you know, that now someone else was listening. Who was on that? Was it was it was it Frenchie? Was it Butcher? Yeah, early for, it... that's gonna be a fun early prediction. Do we get to see the other side of that scene in season four of the boys? Do we I get to see so. the other end of that phone conversation? I feel like we do. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes, because I think this is gonna be a uh, this is obviously a major plot line that doesn't live only within the Gen V world. This is a, a uneral unilateral plot line here that I think lives within the entire boys universe. So we absolutely have to, this, this storyline isn't going to go away. So they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have set it up that way. So I, I absolutely think we do. I, I, frankly, I'll be disappointed if we don't put it that way. Yeah. Eventually sooner than later, it'll probably be airborne. Ah, way to bring it all together. Keeping with Indira here. I, she thinks she still has control over Kate right up until she doesn't. We're not going to get into the final scene yet, but were you surprised at how things initially played out between Indira and Kate? A little bit of a psych out here, wasn't it? Almost a little bit of I gotcha? A little bit. I Honestly, the biggest twist was it appears that Indira really did love and care for Kate, right? Did that? That's almost what surprised me the most. They do a cut away when she finds that out, and then they're kind of ambiguous. You know, when they kind of come back to it for the final scene, I mean, did that sell you at all? Did you, were you kind of surprised you even to this point, even though it seems like we're supposed to take it as, you know, biblical truth, do you believe that Indira really cared for Kate like that? I, I actually really do. But I think it came from a place of it allowed her to replace her daughter, but it also, she felt like she had. It was one soup that she had control over in a world of soups where she didn't have control over any of the rest of them. And I think I do believe that she really cared about it and loved her. I don't know if she would like protect her from getting sick, but part of me believes she does because what kind of type of asset is that to have that person basically doing whatever you say and you're able, you're able to control a person with that type of power and Kate. So I, I do think, you know, classic Jamie G here. I do think it's column A, column B, because I think she loved her, but I think it was for self-fulfilling reasons. 
more than anything. That's fair. I actually kind of like that analysis. I won't hold that against you. And you hear her mention her family to Kate. You know, I, I, you mentioned that before when they were in Indira's office. That's one thing that bothered me. You talk about the contrivances, the fact that Indira happened to have that folder and it was hidden, but not really hidden in a drawer that allowed them to, to figure that out that quick. That certainly bothered me here. But you hear Indira mention that to Kate. Do you think this was the first time she was telling that or did Kate have some kind of idea that at least she knew that she had a husband and a daughter who died? I think she knew, but I don't know that she knew the full details but i do think that they've bonded over shared pain of kind of losing their family obviously for far different reasons but i think they bonded over that um in the past and you know i, I it's interesting I, I guess one question for you uh, the conspiracy theorist here in my mind is is want, making me wonder were those pills that she gave kate just the ability for her to fully control kate was there something else in it that did more than block her ability to to you know, read other people's minds? From the way Kate says it, I am assuming that they were just basically generic power dampeners so that they were like almost like a governor, right? Like it was just holding Kate to like 10% of her maximum potential. And that was where some of the bleeds and stuff would come from when she exerted herself because they were kind of putting artificial limits on what she could do. Best guess. You feel bad for 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 Kate here, but this was a critical critical part of of this plot line, and you know we'll get to the ending here. But I guess I guess let's just let's get there. I mean, at the end of the episode, everybody comes together at Indira's, and Kate makes her tell the truth, and that's not the half of it, though, Mills. <laughs> uh, there's more to come here. Then. Kate makes Indira slit her own throat and she uses her powers to prevent Marie from saving her. Pretty big deal here for Kate. Uh, most of the gang is absolutely horrified, but not Sam. Sam said it was justice and he seems ready to side with Kate. Uh, and then of course we see in the trailer, it seems like he's ready to ride with her in terms of, in terms of fighting back too. So man, a lot to unpack here in this final scene. What are your thoughts here, man? Did you see this kind of playing out the way it did? I think we both had Dean Shetty making it into season two. So I'm a little surprised to see her die here, but break it down for us. I think it all tracks for the most part. Uh, I did think it was interesting, even though we probably knew it for Indira to confirm that Godolkin itself is almost as bad as the woods. The soups aren't there to study. It exists for them to study the soups. That 100% tracks with everything we know about Vaught. Uh, again, a little bit of a deeper cut, uh, Godolkin reference to the comics there. You know, she straight up admits to wanting to kill all soups. You, you know, I like that aspect of it. And you know what is, is a little bit crazy to me is that they figure out, based on what Indira says, that Homelander took down that plane. Shouldn't the soups be a little more surprised? Aren't they supposed to be idolizing the seven and everything like that? And now you hear Homelander basically is a terrorist. I mean, maybe the fact yeah. that he lasered somebody, you know, publicly lessens the shock or whatever. But I would have thought maybe they would be a little bit more surprised when they hear that, you know, Homelander was somehow involved with this plane going down, which killed her family. Yeah, it's, it's hard because think about where we were season one. Even two, even even borderline three with the boys where Homelander is re regarded as like 
the most popular. I mean, he's Hulk Hogan, dude, but but a superhero. Like everybody loves him, right? I mean, so that was pretty surprising to me. And also, the 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 public. It's almost like it's almost like the soups need like a need like a Men in Black like thing where they can just like make people. Well, I guess they have it in Kate, uh, but like make people like forget what they saw because this is. I don't know how you. I don't know how you overcome all this. Um, you know, and, and maybe it, maybe it bleeds into just the way the media will just, well, what's right, what's wrong, what's real, what's not. You kind of believe what you're, what you want to believe kind of scenario. And we're seeing that to some degree in, in the real world. Right. And they're, they're kind of showing that in the show, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I was pretty taken back by that. And Indira slitting her you know own throat was brutal, but Kate forcing Marie to not save her, to not even try. She's not allowed to try. And that kind of forces, you know, flashbacks of her mother. Any thoughts on that one, Jamie G? That was particularly brutal. Just the, the character development of Marie here. And just shout out to the actress. She this is just a, a really wild scene to be in. She just absolutely crushes it. But the character development of Marie here. Because we've seen her time and time again kind of put everything to the side in terms of her future and her career, which when we started this this series and in the beginning of the season, all that mattered to her was her career and doing everything right to try to have a chance. We've seen her time and time again kind of put that to the side when in the moment to try to do the right thing, right? We saw it in the nightclub. I think that was episode one. Uh, or two, whenever it was, we, we, you know, we've seen it kind of through, we saw it when she was getting all the fame and she got, you know, and she just came, spoke out the truth to deck. We saw it, you know, several times here. I really believe in my heart of hearts. She wanted to save Dean Shetty, not because Dean Shetty is a great person, not, not because of any other reason than she knew that she, you know, she doesn't want to see anybody just die and be murdered like that by, by themselves. Well, basically by Kate. So I, I really like this character development for, for Marie, and it speaks to the fork in the road decision that she has with Victoria Newman. You know, it, she's going to be forced, and I bet you it happens in the season finale and probably many more times in season two, to either follow the guidance of the career and the fame, which, which is the first black woman in, in the seven, or do the right thing. It'll be really interesting to see what she, what she does. And th- I think this scene... This scene was just kind of like the, the the epitome. Like this was this was all of that wrapped up into one scene, and it killed her to not be able to attempt to save Dean Chetty. And that speaks to the type of person Maria is. I thought you were going for impetus, but I think you're going for epitome. But um, either way, I, I totally Thank get, you. I, I totally get what you were saying there. I think that is really spot on analysis, and, and that was heartbreaking. And it also showed something with Kate, right? That she is so cold yeah. that she knows. After being inside Marie's head, and they shared memories that it was going to force Marie to relive the most horrible moment of her life. And she's like, oh, sorry, you have to go through this. It does give you an idea how dangerous Kate could be going forward. And I I think that kind of brings us to it, man. I'm not surprised that they're kind of splitting the gang and force them to go against each other here. I'm not surprised that Kate made the villain turn. It kind of makes sense, right? Like we thought she was maybe going to be the one to die and she basically kills, you know, Indira in her place, so to speak. Sam switching sides surprised me a little bit, but on the other hand, it just reminds me of that scene in the hallway 
when he's just blown away by all these other kids with superpowers, the one chick's like, oh, what do you mean? We can do whatever we want. We're superheroes. I feel like he had a fun day on college campus and took like all the wrong lessons away from it. Yeah, he really did. Because you got to think, this poor guy hasn't had a college experience. He really hasn't had a life This might be the so first positive been... experience he's had since he showed superpowers. Other than with Emma. Yeah, like, well, the first, with other, other random with Emma, people. Yeah. Like, with the, like yeah. the first po- positive experience he's had post- superpowers presenting with anybody other than Emma and even that's been in a one-on-one environment like with an actual environment yeah. with a bunch of other people so totally agree dude I mean for him his superpowers have been something that he's been punished for right and and abused for this was a whole another scene and I think he's you know and they showed a little bit of his kind of like boyish like not immaturity but just not real world experience i guess is the best way to put it and i think with that comes the ability to be easily persuaded so i i just i think they set it up actually to where it makes sense for him to kind of you know get wrapped up in something where maybe he shouldn't in in, in because he's just so kind of like this boyish innocence where he just has no real world experience because he's been in a lab right and it also we also know his anger because of that so you know, and I think that could potentially create a create a divide between him and Emma, which would just be must see TV in my opinion. And I hope that that doesn't. It's kind of like a Frenchie and Kamoko, right? Like they had to they had to go like split up or something. It would be like terrible, you know. So uh, the boys tease that a little bit. So uh, throughout the first couple of seasons, yeah, we're not going to get it. I could be here all day on that one, but uh, yeah, I think Sorry. that's kind of a fair <laughs> way to uh, to go about it. So. Sam is just, he's got that childlike quality, right? Which I think makes him even more terrifying, especially if his superpower really does involve imagining people as puppets. It's cute, but also like insanely scary at the same time. Um, Like that's how he like compartmentalizes, like murdering like 37 people. I give him credit. When they came up with this, they did try to kind of think outside the box. Like, you know, you get your obvious X-Men parallels and like Kate's kind of got the Professor X and then you know, Andre's Magneto, but other than that, they kind of reach outside the box for most of the, the kind of power sets and everything like that. So I like what they've done. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. One of the things, one of many things that we enjoy doing when we discuss television shows is we try to come up with an alternative episode title. And, you know, did Gen V redeem themselves here with Sick? What do you think, Mel? Is good title or not? It's good, but it's, it's not really that fun, right? Like if they were going to go with kind of like a, a sick reference, I would have rather gone with like Wildfire. That just sounds cooler. And also a Game of Thrones reference. And uh, we brought that up a lot. And if they wanted to go like full on boys with it, I don't know, uh, something like a normal amount of sex toys. Like if you saw that as an episode title, you'd at least be intrigued, right? 100%. Um, that that was, you know, definitely probably my, my biggest one of my biggest boyish moments uh, from from the show. I really like if they wanted to go with the sick theme here, Mills. I would have went try not to breathe. I really thought that was such a powerful scene there at the beginning, where they throw that kid in, and you've got the other two in there, and they're like try not to breathe. It was a little bit more than just sick. Sick's kind of just it's good, not great. I, I guess is the best way I can explain it. Yeah, if I was going to do something kind of you know else on the the sick thing. I did just like viral infection rate. That that sounds kind of scary, especially post COVID and everything like that. So could have maybe tried to, to work something like that in there. When Sam was running around, only one thing was going through my head 
and that was Stranger Danger. A little bit of Stranger Danger in this episode, I think. You get a lot of people kind of meeting for the first time. I think there was definitely some Stranger Danger. 100% some Stranger Danger. You got any fun ones? Uh, any any other uh, laughers before we get, get on to the next part here? I mean, maybe go full Britney Spears with it. Like, what Avant wants, what Avant needs. <laughs> Dude, I can't. I can't. Somebody... somebody I just, I can't even believe. Oh, God. All right. I, that, I, that's I think, the good I one. Think... See, that's uh, uh, shout out writing, dude. You never know what is actually going to work for people. <sighs> Didn't even get to use uh, the Rob Zombie reference, dude. More human than human. Because the soups are more human. More human than human, right. With a with zombie tone. That, that's a good one. That is a good one. And humans are not our equals. Uh, that's another one. One of the things we do here, and I always look forward to this every episode here, it's time to give our most college-like moment from this episode titled Sick. Mills, what part of this episode made you feel like you were right back in college, the good old days? Oh, Definitely just the dorm life aspect to it. The idea that someone brings a random friend over and they just go through all the stuff in the dorm. They don't really know whose it is. They just start going through drawers and and desks and start using someone's computer or playing someone's PlayStation or whatever it is. And then the idea, like, you just go out in the hall and there's a party going on. If you don't have anything to do, you start knocking on doors. Like, yo, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing, dude? You can always kind of find something to do. And, you know, when when in doubt, you just wind up hanging out with someone random who you know from your hall, but you don't really know. And then you wind up having going out having like a crazy adventure with them or something like that. So I would say just that whole dorm aspect to it. Again, not a lot of, uh, you know, snowboarding, slip and slides in the hallway, but some, some random good times to be had in the dorm. How about yourself? Yeah, I think for me, just losing Sam, because, you know, I was in college where like cell phones, not everyone had a cell phone. Yes, I'm that old. We're not, not everyone had a cell phone. And so it was kind of easy to like lose a dude for a minute. Like people could like get wrapped up in something. You're not really sure where they're at. And you just kind of got to hope to like link up with them later on or you'll, you'll meet them somewhere. Or like maybe we'll both be at the same party or something later or something. But it was easier to lose somebody in college. It seemed like than it is nowadays, uh, I guess and, and for me at least. So that, that kind of, that kind of reminded me of like, Oh yeah, we, we lost Sam. Oh man. Well, how, how are we going to, I guess. Well, I mean, back then you probably had to run home <laughs> to check your AOL instant messenger or your, your MySpace <laughs> yeah. or your ICQ or whatever it was back then. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't uh it wasn't as mobile. Uh, These kids will never know. You, you haven't known anything until you had to understand the art of leaving an away message on your AOL instant messenger. True. Like and the other thing too is kids nowadays. Like you need to know, cell phones at one point simply just dialed. Like they just called other phone numbers. Like they didn't. They didn't. Set, you could play Snake too. Remember Snake? That was like the only. I game got a on Snake, there, man. But... <laughs> and also, young kids, get off our lawn. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, this is Gen B, but we know at the end of the day, the boys will be boys. Mills, what was your favorite moment of this of this episode uh, that references the boys or reminds you most of the boys? Couple to choose from here, it seems like. I mean, basically everything with Victoria Newman. If you had to, you know, put a gun to it, I would say when she pops the dude's head at the end, because that's obviously straight out of the boys. But also just shout out the reveal that she was a bloodbender. That was like the first time the show really got me, I think. And that, you know, the boys seems to pull out one or two of those every season. So head popper in general, a couple of shout outs. But. Incredible moment there. Um, I could easily go that route, but just for the sake of 
of the podcast here. I'm, I'm going to go with another one. And that's, it's got to be Grace Mallory. Like that was, that was a big moment when she shows up, you know, she's been kind of this, this person and uh, kind of the direct link between like the boys and, and this overall mission with, with Vaugh. I, I just, I really enjoyed her popping up and I'm curious to see who was listening to that, how she recorded it and where that takes us when we get into, you know, not just Gen V season two, but the boys season four. Yeah, and Mallory's also very interesting because that definitely the character that's uh, very different in the comics, other than kind of the a couple of the same basic things. So really interesting the direction they're taking the character. That brings us to our Gen V top three. We're each going to rank our top three characters with only one episode left in the season. Mills, it's crunch time here, buddy. Who is your top three? This one was surprisingly easy at this point. I think I have Kate at number three. She's obviously proven that she's quite powerful. She's recruited another powerful person to her side in Sam, it looks like. And she is on a mission. Like, she has personal conviction that can be very deadly. At two, I'm going with Marie. We've obviously seen, again, another expansion of her powers with the detecting of the Gen V. And we know that... She can obviously level up to the level of Victoria Newman as far as popping some heads and stuff like that. And she also kind of wants to, you know, again, has that fork in the road decision. Does she want to embrace being a real hero or the first black woman in the seven? Either of those should offer her a lot of power. And number one, you kind of have to go Victoria Newman, right? It's hard to go another way here. She came in, she dominated. She might be bringing Marie to her side. She's got this virus and Deera's off the board. You know, that's crazy, right? Indira looked like she was the front runner here. And now that she is completely off the board, it really opens it up for everyone else. Almost a little bit of a power vacuum there. So got to go with the head popper one, even if we probably won't see her in the season finale. All right, Jamie G, man, who's in your top three? You know, I couldn't have said it any better myself, man. That is my exact top three. Um, I'm going to second that And I'm going to make you go first next week. <laughs> Yeah, maybe go first. I know it's a it's a running theme here. I'm sorry, I can't like I don't want to force it into something else. That is literally my top three for all. Well, when you do top three instead of top five or something, there is a little bit less to work with. You know, I will give you that. And there have been a couple of obvious number ones, so then you kind of get down to you know who does number two work for, and here we are. Here we are. Who does number two? Okay, we can't properly do this college thing without grades being a thing. We got to do it. It's part of college, at least. For the time being, Mills, on a scale of F minus to A plus, what grade are you giving to Sick, the seventh episode of Gen V season one? Yeah, I know I jaw ruled it. I was always on time, but I can't quite get up into that A range. I am going to go with a B plus. Solid episode, you know, longer running time, still had good momentum. Liked a lot of things about it. There were a couple of plot contrivances, but I think it's left us in a place where I'm very excited for the finale. So, Solid B plus. How about yourself? I'm going to be just a smidge higher. I'm an A minus on this one. Um, I, I think it got there with some of the the wow moments, so to speak. For example, the Victoria Newman as a as a bloodbender, the uh, the death of Dean Shetty, uh, Mallory coming into the world, and and that bleeding over into into presumably the boys who basically well, I don't want to say they work for her, but deeply connected there was just a lot of kind of wow with this you know i i gotta i gotta give it the, the a minus um i thought it was a pretty good penultimate episode 
for season one here. Really excited about the season finale and where they take this thing. And it just seems like they did a great job of opening this thing up to just just really big scale here in terms of, you know, we now have we now have people you know, revolting about Homelander killing somebody in broad daylight. We've got a complete split in the political world and, you know, society seems a mess and there's power grabs and who knows what's going So I just like where this thing's going. And for that, I got to give it an A minus. I like that, man. Like Ghostface said, big elevators mean big businesses. Yes, they do. That brings us to our predictions. Now, just you guys got to know this is we have watched the teaser trailer. So uh, if you haven't watched the teaser trailer at the end of the episode, you go ahead and watch it because we're going to be discussing all of that right here, right now. If you don't want to hear anything about that, you don't want to hear our predictions. You don't want to have a little fun and make your own predictions. Go ahead and hit stop. We won't necessarily judge you, but we will see you next week right here on Compound B for the season finale. For everybody else. Oh, baby, it's prediction o'clock. You know, we called it before. We we said Kate would die. Any chance she still dies? Or do you think that's off the table now that she made the kind of the heel turn? I think she's going to make it, but it wouldn't totally surprise me. I'm not closing the, the book completely on Kate, but I think she makes it through here, man. I, I just, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much of this is an internal fight. Internal meaning between... Jordan and Marie and Andre and then you know Kate and Sam and and the rest of the um unruly crew from the woods or do they find a way to come together in a common in a common theme here and I guess that's my first question for you Mills make a prediction do those two battle each other or do they work together kind of the two factions or whatever yeah I mean, it looks like Kate is going to recruit everyone at the woods, right? So it'll be her, Sam, and everyone at the woods. So that's kind of on one side. I mean, I guess, like, I mean, obviously you would think Marie would go against her. Andre would go against her. I would assume Jordan would go with. Emma's probably the wild card because she probably won't want to fight and she'll try to talk Sam out of it somehow would be my guess. My guess is you see one of those things where some of the drones, like we'll see some random people from the woods fight some random types or background people we've seen or something like that. And then there will be, you know, a kind of main fight or two between our main characters, but it'll be one of those fights where they fight, but they also, you know, talk while they're fighting kind of deal. It feels like something like that is probably going to go down. I mean, how about polarity, right? Do you think he wakes up and if he does, does he do something or is he just being mothballed for season two? This is a tough one for me. You know, it's kind of taken Andre and given him something, but is it enough to keep Andre's story going? I'm just going to go ahead and say he wakes up and we figure out what caused it. And that sends Andre into this, like, we've seen him with this temper. I think that takes him to, like, this crazy place of just pure rage. And he and he does something because of it. Um, is, is, Ooh, okay, is so you're saying Polarity wakes up. He doesn't get in the action, but he convinces Andre to do so. I yes. like that. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty astute prediction right there. And I mean, Andre, does he kind of break bad? Does he fight on good or does he just kind of lose it? I mean, as weird as it is, I could see a scenario where Andre just kind of snaps, right? Like he tries to do a thing and he just starts like killing people and he winds up being like the real big bad or something, maybe. I think he kind of goes, for lack of a better term, Homelander ish. I think he just absolutely snaps and, and just starts to just like, 
they've been toying with this. I mean, the guy's basically a ticking time bomb. He can't even drink a Coke without getting super pissed. You tell me. Yeah, I mean, the guy's nuts, man. I mean, he's just like, he's so angry with pent up like rage. And we've seen it basically all season. If he's not self-medicating himself, he's basically a mean asshole. And so I right, like destroying his pops a statue and just kind of Yeah. Like I think he's just he's got so much pent up anger issues. I really encourage him to go like get help for it, but that's not gonna happen because it's Gen V. So I think he's just gonna absolutely snap. I've got one for you, Magnum Mills. Just enlighten me here. Just make me happy with this one. We see OG Ashley. Any chance that all this fighting breaks out? The school loses total control. There's no Dean. Any chance she sends in some members of the seven here from Vought to reign control over God you? I would love that, but I don't think so. I, you know, I think we're obviously you know going to see her from what we got from the trailer. I don't know how strong her position is and how many members of the seven she has access to. I would assume if she did, it would be the deeper A train just because we've seen them both already. So if it's going to be any member of the seven, I would say one of the two. I would say no. Uh, do you think there's a chance we get anybody else, even non-seven, anybody else at all from the boys here? You know, we're averaging one per episode the last couple episodes here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the trend continues, and we do. We do get somebody from the boys. I don't know that it would be like, like Butcher or Homelander or anything. That would be super awesome if it was. But I, I'm going to say we get somebody. I don't know who, but I, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I wanted to go Stan Edgar. I was going to Stan Edgar the whole time. Switching it up, going with the legend. Like somehow he has some connection to Godolkin or something. So someone like calls Dude. him to find out about an old soup or something. Or maybe Polarity. Like Polarity knows the legend from back in the day and he shows up at the hospital or something like that. So I'm going with the legend. I want to see the legend. Or legend. Give me the legend. Legend should be in every episode of everything ever. Uh, I think we all <laughs> Another character that's a vast kind of improvement over what he is in the comics. I definitely uh, enjoyed the show version of that more. It seems pretty obvious, right? We're going to have to get a scene where Emma tries to talk Sam down, right? They're going to have to have that scene where Sam's like breaking bad and Emma tries to talk him down. Like, are you okay with that knowing that's going to happen? And do you think she'll be successful? This is a tough one, man, because they've kind of shown her ability to to be successful, even when she had to get big that time and kind of pin him down. But since then, I mean, let's face it, they've gotten intimate. They've become a well-oiled functioning unit. They trust each other. He's confided in her with his puppet thing and who knows what else. They're like the perfect fit, right? So I think she will be successful but I think it's going to take more than one attempt. I like that. It just, you just remind me, it's like college. It's like the only place where you can fall truly in love in 48 hours. And yeah. you know, nothing wrong with that, but you do go head over heels kind of quickly there. It would be kind of unsatisfying, right? That they went to all this trouble to lay all this track for them to have this great connection. And then for her to try to talk them down and for him to be like, no, nah, screw it. And then rip someone in half or something. I mean, you could see it. That would be one way of them, you know, trying to do the subversion thing a little bit, but I don't think that would be satisfying. Right. I mean, going forward, don't you want Sam and Emma to kind of be like the happy couple, like just let them be together and be happy. God damn it. Like, don't, don't mess with that. Right. Like give us that one. That's kind of how I feel. Yes. I don't really want them to like do the, will they or won't they, or, you know, if you're not going to have them together, then I guess you kill one here. I mean, that'd be the crazy thing. If yeah. like, Sam accidentally kills Emma. And then, like, that forces him to make that decision, whether or not he's going to, like, fully lose it, or then that brings him back to Earth, so to speak. 
Well, I, I, any chance that Sam dies here? I mean, I know he's been kind of like Mr. Invincible. But he he's feels also, the one that's most likely, right? Because doesn't he forward, a little bit? He's wanted. A little he's, bit he's been... too powerful, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of all the kind of the gang, quote unquote, I don't, it's hard for me if it's not Kate, you know, I think that's the next best option, really, unfortunately. That or I'm 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 borderline, borderline here with Andre. I think Andre's got a chance of being the one. Yeah, but his pops is also the snaps. only one of their parents that has a main role in the show. I mean, maybe that can make some That's sense true. if like he dies and then that brings like Sean Patrick Thomas into a full time role next year because he's trying to get revenge or something. That'd be an interesting That's way true. to play it. But the actor who plays Andre is kind of one of the bigger names who signed up, so that would, from the production aspect, that would surprise me a little bit, but. Well, so was Luke. So was Luke. I mean, we're talking. But about he was never billed as a full here. cast member. So, That's I mean, true. who knows? This is Gen V. By the end, maybe Luke is back in the main cast for season two. You know, it is one of those shows where they could find some way to do it, and it wouldn't totally surprise me. Uh, do you think we get any more of Victoria Newman or, or Mallory in the finale? I don't know that we'll get Victoria Newman. I think we kind of. I think that's kind of going to be saved until season two and then of course i think we'll see her in the boys um but i i you know i i also don't know that we'll get mallory again either unless they decide to kind of do something with this virus situation here in the season finale i don't know that they will i think there's too much other stuff to kind of sort through that's almost kind of been resolved temporarily right doesn't it feel that way with the virus um it feels like that's kind of a bigger story that's looming kind of as we, as we roll into season four of the boys and season two of Gen V. I think that's fair. I would maybe call it like we don't get either of them, but if there is a, like a post credit scene or a stinger after the season finale, what's right. It was like Mallory on the phone again or something like that. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't totally shock me. You know, you mentioned Victoria Newman. I have to ask final episode. Are we going to see Marie pop somebody's head? She's gained a power man. in every episode. It's just kind of like the to that level where she figures out in the spur of the moment, like how to do it. Dude, or she's grown, maybe she just be... pops the whole body, not the head. She just blows up the whole body. Blows up. We've seen we've seen her blow up a member. Uh, we have seen her do that. I mean, you know, you're right. She's going to. If you're a betting man here, a betting person, you know that she's going to do something to increase her power. We've seen it ev- virtually every episode. There's seven out of seven. Right, like every episode, she's done something to increase her power. I think, yeah. I don't know if it's full blown head popper. I don't know if they're going to go there yet, just because that's kind of the the wow of Victoria Newman. I think they got to build a little bit more before they 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 kind of because once once she does it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily devalue it, but it kind of makes it not as special. And listen to me talk about somebody being able to explode people's heads is special, but it's the universe of the boys. So, you know, it kind of is, but yeah, I, I don't think we get there with her in this one. I, I do think she shows a new ability to her power, but I don't think it's that. And I'm just trying to think, would it be funny if she's like, she like tries to blow up someone's head and then she blows up someone's dick again. And someone's just like, dude, can you stop with the blowing up of the genitals? Can you and just, just kill like, like a normal like a person? Why are you so cruel? Yeah, just what kill if it's just him like, like a regular like, soup. 
Don't like, do what that. if it just like accidentally becomes her like wet bandit moment where she just like that's her like signature thing? Like it would be a weird, a weird I'm thing. I'm doing a runner from something I forgot where someone like shoots someone in the dick and like and they're like, dude, why would you do that? Like just shoot me like a normal person. Like, why would you yeah. I forget exactly what it's from, but that that whole concept of like she just can't quite get there to explode the heart or the head. She just uh goes with the lower brain. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh oh, final alternate episode title, the lower brain. The lower brain. Uh, many, many a man has thought with the lower brain. Many, many Most, men. Many, many men wish, wish, wish to think with that brain. All right. Now I'm, now I'm doing like a get rich or die trying thing. Uh, any other ones before we get out of here, buddy? Is that you, you predictioned out? I think that's basically it. I, I'm just looking forward to the finale. I'm really curious as to where they go and how much of it will be kind of geared towards setting up season two and how much of it will be geared towards setting up season four of the boys. Yeah. And look, I think there are some loose ends to tie up here, but I think a lot of it's going to be just kind of a pushover into season two, just the way this season has gone with, with Indira dying and the penultimate and stuff like that. But look, the one thing about the boys, whether it's Gen V or the boys surprises are plenty. So we will be here to find out with you right here on Compound B. Thank you guys so much for checking out Compound B. It's an absolute joy to do this show, do this podcast, and follow along with these awesome shows that we love with you guys out there in in the world. So thank you for checking us out. Please make sure you join us on our next episode when we cover the season one finale of Gen V, episode eight, titled Guardians of Godalkin. I'm pretty pumped about it, man. What about you? Yeah, I don't even mind that they're blatantly ripping off Guardians of the Galaxy because I love the alliteration and Guardians of Godolkin just does sound cool. Yeah. If it goes over well, there will be Guardians of Godolkin t-shirts. So I think that'll be a good barometer on which to judge it. And the barometer to judge whether or not you enjoyed Compound B is generally that thumb because if you liked us, we'd like you to give us that thumb. That's important. You shouldn't forget it. Just like the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Again, that's all we're asking. We do this little show. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We are on social media at Compound B. Got any thoughts, anything like that, let us know. But other than that, we just want to say we appreciate you checking us out. We hope you check us out next week. We hope you're enjoying the show. And that's it. I'm Magna Mills. He's Jamie G. And now Jamie G is going to tell you what the B in Compound B stands for. It literally stands for... Bible bonkers, where Jesus has a heart.